grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us this morning. We are so glad that you are here. On each one of the pews near the center aisle, there is a friendship pad. It's a black folder, and we'd love to have you fill it out and let us know that you're here, whether you are regularly here or visiting with us today. You can see the announcements that are in the bulletin. I mentioned earlier, just briefly, uh, Steve Sweet was supposed to preach this morning, and he is in bed with the flu. So be care So Jerry found out yesterday morning that it was him. <laughs> Better him than me, that's for sure. <laughs> This evening, we invite you to join us to get to know other people in the congregation in a home setting. We call it AWE, At Home Hospitality Hour, at, Dave, at Mike and Debbie Regal's house. And it's a chance to just bring an appetizer to share and whatever you want to drink. And we spend two hours just standing around and sitting around and talking to one another and meeting one another. There's no agenda except getting to know people. And it's one of the best ways in a small setting to get to do that. You can... We, you know, the only reason to sign up is really so you can get the address to where you're going, which is on a cart that is in, right now in Tank Hall because it's too cold for the carts to be outside. Um, they live at the end of the Lagoon Canyon Road, right about where the 405 is. So it's close, especially for those of us who live inland. We hope you'll join us for that. Tomorrow, uh, next Sunday morning at the 10 o'clock hour, Nick Stephanidis is speaking at Adult Education in Tankersley Hall. He's the director of Helping Hands Ministry in Athens. Some of you have heard about some of that from Anna and George Kafalos. They have worked with refugees as part of that. And here we got a chance to hear from the director himself, Nick Stephanidis, next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Also, our third Friday group is another place that you can get to know other people in the congregation. They are having this month a uh, St. Patrick's Day party with uh, all sorts of good food. And we are actually meeting the second Sunday, not, uh, Friday, not the third Friday this month, because the third Friday is the weekend of women's retreat. So there are only two Sundays to sign up today and next Sunday for that. It is a potluck, and it is, we're going to have one of those harpists who played in church last week. She's going to talk to us a little bit about how you figure out how to play one of those things that doesn't actually have keys on it, and how do you know which string is what, and how do you play, in addition to playing some Celtic music for us. So it'll be a lovely evening. We do need you to sign up. Women's Retreat still has space for people to come for Saturday only. And that's, we can take signups for that for just about another week. It'll be a great weekend away in the middle of March. And you can do that signing up online. If you want to try to see if there's a place for the weekend, the resort said they might be able to squeeze in a few people, but you need to contact me and we will contact them and see if they've got another spot. They were not sure that they would be able to do that. If you have kids, you can see there are all sorts of things that are going on for our children, including registration for summer camp for 6th to 12th graders, and also that this coming Friday is a night out for 6th through 8th graders for Boomers and In-N-Out Burger. And you can see how to sign up for that. Uh, this week, one of our members, Lynn Wilder, passed into the presence of the Lord, and the service for Lynn is going to be next Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. At the end of the service this morning, we are going to be singing Jesus Shall Reign, and we are going to be joining our voices with about a million Christians around the world who are singing not only that hymn, but also that same arrangement today in what they are calling a global hymn sing. So once a year, this is something that uh, we've just kind of gotten into and learned about, and all people in countries throughout Africa, throughout Asia, throughout Europe are going to be singing that same song with us today as we raise our voices together to proclaim that Jesus shall reign. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. And Jesus said, people will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God as one new humanity reconciled to God and to one another. Let us praise the Lord who reigns. Lord, intercede for us now at the right hand of the Father. Rule, we thank you for your love given to us and proven to us in your life, death, and resurrection and the pouring out of your Holy Spirit. May your grace fill us up and give to us your mind 
so that we may be your people and do your will and bring blessing to planet Earth. We pray in your name. Amen. Join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find printed in your bulletin. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the family of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. And so let us stand and praise him together. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing,
scriptures. Let us be seated. Psalm 51 calls us to confession this morning. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Let us pray. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we are your covenant people, one church drawn from all nations. Our citizenship is in heaven, yet we confess, O oh Lord, that we sometimes lose sight of your kingdom and its ways. We confess that we sometimes live more as citizens of our own land than as citizens of your kingdom. By your truth, you call all peoples to account. Forgive us for losing our distinctiveness. Focus us on the cross and on the salvation you give through him who is the Lord and King and judge of us all. Jesus the Christ. Hear now the silent confessions of our hearts. 
For we pray through Christ our Redeemer. Amen. My friends, the Lord God said, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, all God's promises are yes. Hear the good news. Through Christ, our minds and hearts are cleansed, healed, and renewed. Thanks be to God. Amen. chapter 8, <clears throat> one of the famous uh, texts in the gospel, recorded in Matthew and in Luke as well. Mark 8, verse 27. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the scribes and be killed 
and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first eight chapters of the Gospel of Mark, Mark has Jesus going about his public ministry in the region of Galilee, around the lake, and especially the villages on the northern shore there. And it's a beautiful place. And what the disciples who followed Jesus, who were called from their fishing to follow him, and, and the number uh, grew as time went by, what they saw were miraculous deeds. They saw people being healed. They heard the Word of God. They listened to the Sermon on the Mount. He saw, they saw Jesus feed the 5,000 with just a few pieces of, of bread and, and of uh, fish. He saw, they saw Jesus cast out demons and make people whole, and people walked again, and the blind could see, and one miraculous deed after another with a reminder that the kingdom of God was at hand. The kingdom was breaking into human history, and it was transforming life. And these fishermen really did not know much how to think about all of this, they believed, but they needed help in their unbelief. They were trusting, following Jesus, fishing part-time, listening to him. It went on for a year and a half, almost two years. And then Jesus decided to take them on a retreat. And he led them up into a Gentile area to the north of the lake, a beautiful place called Caesarea Philippi, named for one of the Roman leaders. And there were shrines, there were temples to the Roman Caesars and, and other Greco-Roman uh, deities. Beautiful place, the headwaters, the Jordan River. You could hear the rapids rolling down from Mount Hermon, the water flowing into the lake in Galilee. And it was while they were there on this retreat in this Gentile territory that Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? That question was the turning point in Jesus' life and ministry. And the disciples answered, you're John the Baptist, come back. Or you're Elijah. Or you're one of the prophets like Jeremiah. Clearly, we see something happening in you that we've never seen before. And this has to be one of the most important moments of human history is what they were implying. But then the very personal question that Jesus asked his disciples. But who do you say that I am? 
who do you say? Eugene Peterson, one of his sermons on this text, says that, this, that, that Peter's answer to this, four words, you are the Christ, are four of the most important words ever uttered in human history. We think of great things that have been said. I have a dream. Know yourself. And other kinds of short answers to questions or observations about wisdom. No answer has been more important in human history than Peter's answer, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And Matthew adds, the son of the living God. And Matthew goes on to report other words that Jesus said. Blessed are you, Simon Peter. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, he's revealed this to you. And I tell you, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter had to have been pretty pumped up. Or puffed up. By this affirmation that Jesus had made of him. And then Jesus, the Gospels tell us, began a new teaching. He had not spoken of this before. This was the turning point. He said to his disciples, I want you to know that it's necessary for the Son of Man to go up to Jerusalem where he is going to suffer and be rejected by the religious authorities as well as the political authorities. And he's going to be put to death. I'm going to die. But on the third day, I will be raised. Now this is not exactly what Peter wanted to hear. Gospels tell us he took Jesus by the collar, drug him away, got right in his face and said, God forbid this will never happen to you. This is not what I meant when I said you are the Messiah. Peter had a very definite idea about what it meant to be the Messiah, but also to follow the Messiah. As far as Peter and the other disciples were concerned, they had backed the right political candidate. They were going up to Jerusalem. They had decided to go on the glory road with Jesus up to the center of political power in Israel where he would be crowned as king and perhaps calling upon angels that would come from heaven and destroy the enemies of God, drive the Romans out, establish the reign of God, and Jesus would sit on the throne as the triumphant Messiah, recognized by all people. It took a lot of guts to rebuke Jesus. Mark tells us that Jesus looked at his disciples and at Peter. And what he said to Peter had to have been absolutely devastating to him. Get behind me, Satan. You have set your mind on human things and not upon divine thing. You're thinking like the world. You've been so shaped and formed by the expectations of the religious and political communities and the groups within Israel that you've lost connection with what the scriptures say 
of what is necessary for the Messiah to do, and that is to go up to the center of Israel in Jerusalem and there to lay down his life as a humble, suffering servant of God. There's something about Peter that is like every one of us, or we're very much like Peter. If there's something that I'm concerned about, and I suspect that you are too, and that is, is making a life for myself, doing everything that I can do to climb whatever ladder may be before me for the sake of, of securing my position in the world. Maybe we call it the glory road. Maybe we call it just the way of ambition or what is in human nature. These were the temptations that came to Jesus earlier in the gospel from Satan himself. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, all of these are mine and I can give them all to you. All you have to do is fall down and worship me. I can give you acclaim and honor and money and power and recognition and all of those things that all humans seem to want that what drive people into politics or religion or just living daily. I can give it all to you. All you have to do is fall down and worship me. And Jesus, seeing all the glory of the world, was truly tempted this Perhaps this is what it means to be the Son of God, to be Israel's Messiah, to throw my power around, to assert myself. But in the wilderness, Jesus said, No. You shall worship only the Lord your God. He also said, No, I will not do something spectacular to prove who I am. No, I will not turn the loaves are the stones into loaves of bread and feed myself. I'm determined to do the will of God to the very end. And I have come to discern through reading and praying and worshiping and through my own life experience that the only thing that can heal the world is the power of self-sacrificing love. We're talking a lot this Lenten season about having clean hearts. Create a clean heart in me, O oh God. That's another way of saying, give to me the mind of Christ. Help me so to know him and to love him and to see him that my life would be transformed so that I would think and feel and act like Jesus. And it is stunning to realize that the way of Jesus is the way of suffering servant love. Because Jesus knew that this is the only power in the cosmos the power that created all that there is which sustains the creation, this is the only power that can heal the sin-sick souls and give to us each hearts, not just a stone, but hearts of flesh upon which the law of God is written. And so he says to his disciples, I tell you if you're going to follow me, you have to take up your cross and follow me to Jerusalem and accept my destiny as yours. Because if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake in the Gospels, you will find it. Or in another place, unless a grain of wheat falls into the soil and dies, 
it cannot bear fruit. Do you see how absolutely contradictory this way of life is to the world's understandings of what life is about? And everyone who came to be a follower of Jesus, from Peter through the Apostle Paul, came to this place. The last words that Jesus spoke to Peter in John 21, he said to him, post-resurrection, he said, the day is coming, Peter, when someone is going to put a belt around you. You used to, you had full autonomy. You put your pants on every morning, wrapped a belt around your waist, and you went about your life. But I tell you, the day is going to come when someone else is going to put a belt around you and take you where you do not want to go. And you'll live into into the great truth that you find your life by surrendering your life, by opening your life, by welcoming the gift of God's grace so much into your heart that you become like Jesus. And becoming like Jesus will lead you to dying to sin and death, but coming alive to the fullness of what God intended life to be. The Apostle Paul listed all of his merit badges. Philippians chapter 3. He says, I was born into a Jewish family, Pharisee of the Pharisees, legally obedient, keeper of the law, circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews. But then he said, the day came when I was encountered by the living Lord on the road to Damascus. And when that happened, when he claimed me, I died. And I began that long journey of coming to know him, which is to know the presence and the power of the grace and love of God. And he says, I came to realize I had lost everything that I had previously valued. But somehow it's all all right because the great pursuit of my life has, has become to know him and the power of his resurrection by becoming identified in his death. Of becoming like him. Filled with the capacity to see the world through his eyes. To feel the compassion of God in Jesus' heart. To walk in righteousness and purity and holiness and to give my life away to become like him not that I've already obtained this but one thing I do he said putting behind me the past I move on into the upward call of God in Christ Jesus to become like him. It's not the glory road. It's the way of the cross. This last week we lost one of the great religious leaders of the 20th century in America, Billy Graham spoken about Billy Graham on many occasions. A man who preached in his lifetime to some have estimated 215 million people. The amazing thing about his life was the humility that he had. He was the counselor and pastor for presidents and kings and moved amongst all kinds of people from rich to poor to powerful. He did it with humility. Larry King asked him if he was afraid of dying. He said, absolutely not. I know whom I've trusted. I know the one to whom I belong. 
I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And Larry said to him, well, I'm kind of like uh, Woody Allen. I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. But wherever Billy preached around the world, you may not have liked him or whatever, because I mean, he was an amazing person from his early years to his older years. More and more, I think, the mind of Christ captured him. In his older age, he was not the kind of guy that would get on his knees out in front of the White House and do a religious performance, have his picture taken to impress people with how important he was. But he was simply a servant of the Lord and central to his ministry was lifting high the cross of Jesus. Years ago, Billy had died. And now he was alive by the power of the Spirit, fulfilling the calling that Christ had placed upon him to proclaim and to live the good news with integrity. He made a lot of mistakes along the way. One of my dear friends who knows him well says, I want Billy to be my pastor, but I don't want him to be my parent. He struggled, but he was a real man. And God wants to transform us into the persons that he intended us to be. And in the process, there is that long journey in which we live into our baptismal confession of dying to sin in order to be raised to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we come to church. Why we ask for clean hearts, for new hearts. We want to become like him because we love him. Because he first loved us. And the reason he went up to Jerusalem was to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It was in his death upon the cross that he made atonement for my sins and purchased me for himself so I can say I no longer belong to Jerry, but I belong to Christ. And I want to follow him and to be his faithful disciple. Like all of us, from Billy Graham to the lowliest of the lows, <laughs> to the richest of the rich, to the most powerful, we come to the place when we simply want to know him, to see him, and to follow him wherever he leads. Thanks be to God for the invitation to follow him. I was always amazed when Billy Graham would give those invitations at the end of a meeting. More and more, he preached just a simple gospel message, nothing all that sophisticated, not screaming loud, not running back and forth across the stage, but when he gave the invitation, the Holy Spirit of God convicted people and they came forward to be born anew, to receive the Spirit, to receive the gift of the new heart. That's the invitation of the church in all seasons of its life. Pray with me. Dear Lord, we confess that we do not understand the magnitude of this message. But we have begun. Many of us were raised in the church. Never was a time that we didn't know that we loved Jesus. For some of us, we've come out of great wreckage to an awareness of our need for forgiveness, for grace to live, 
Some of us are here this morning in great weakness. And we're very much in touch with our powerlessness. And we know we need you. We need healing from the inside out. We ask that your Holy Spirit will move upon us now so that we open our hearts to you and say, Yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for you. Give to me your heart. In your name we pray. Amen. All I once held dear Built my life upon All this world reveres And wants to
gracious God, we are so thankful <coughs> for when we were far from you, when we were not a people, in Jesus Christ you set your love upon us and you sought us out. You drew us to yourself. You mark us with your water. You scar us with your name. And we are grateful to be called by you. We confess that like Peter, we allow other voices to shape our understanding of life and of discipleship. Bless us and disturb us with a wider and deeper vision of what it means to be your people and to follow you. We pray for courage beyond our easier timidity, for vision beyond our present tense, for restlessness beyond our ready settlements. We thank you for the life of Billy Graham, for the way that he did answer your call and continued to open his life to you for the way that you used him in the lives of millions and millions of people. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would have mercy on planet Earth. Heal our world. Heal our land. Bind up broken places. Bind up broken hearts. Carry our griefs and our sorrows. O Lord, have mercy on the students and families and staff who survived the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting. Give wisdom to all who hold the power to make our schools safe and to protect our children. Bring an end to the violence, O Lord, in Damascus. Protect and heal and restore. Surround with your healing grace all who are ill, who are coping with pain, with their own frailty, fearing the worst. Give us grace, O oh Lord, to hear and to follow your call and the ways of your kingdom, even as we pray for the day when your kingdom comes in its fullness, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
does reign he sits at the right hand of the father where he makes intercession for all of his people pouring out his love and grace as we heard yesterday at our memorial service for Doug Case grace wins grace wins in life and in death we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, walk in his love this week. Amen. Amen.